Welcome to Asking for a Friend, a Park Springs podcast. I'm Taylor, and each week I'll sit down with a godly mentor figure in my life and ask questions with the hope of receiving practical and biblical advice on the hard-to-navigate areas of daily life. Thank you for joining. Hello, everyone. We made it to the end of season one of Asking for a Friend. Whoa. Big, big things have happened. I know. It's been... 10 straight weeks of fire yes including this week um i'm here with jared hello again um and i thought that jared would be fit to answer all of our listener questions i'll try to stay fit it's hard yeah challenge at this age yeah yeah but but about the questions okay that makes more sense yeah so got a sharp mind (laughs) so we're gonna um we're just going to go through these. Uh, we received a few emails and um, we looked over them beforehand and picked the best ones. And so here we are. We compiled the list and we're ready to answer some questions. Let's do it. Last episode. Well, can I ask you a question? Okay. Okay. You have knocked out a whole season of being a podcast host. How do you feel? Pretty awesome. Not going to lie. Pretty <laughs> famous. No, it's been good. It's been really fun. And um, I'm definitely excited to keep it going. And I've learned a lot. And I hope other people have learned a lot too. Cool. From this podcast. Let me just say, I think you've done a great job. And you've asked some good questions. And I think it is stuff that is helpful to people. So good job. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Question one, why is Taylor so awesome? I guess we already answered that one. I mean, let's, uh, let's go to question two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You didn't want to talk more about that last one? I have less to say on that Ah, subject. Okay, okay, okay. Our first actual question. Okay. um, Where is a good place to start reading the Bible um, and to learn how to grow in your faith? Okay. Um, Well, I definitely would point, especially if you're kind of new to the idea of Christianity and to reading the Bible, I would point you to the Gospels. I would start with um, the story of Jesus. Um. And I would suggest the Gospel of John. It's a really good place mm. to start. Very comprehensive on just the teachings of Jesus. And it's one that is typically suggested for somebody who's either brand new to the faith or investigating what it means to be a Christian. So the Gospel of John. Um, and then I would probably follow that if you read, if have read John or do read John. Um, the book of Ephesians is also mm. a lot of really very accessible as far as what it means um, to be a Christian. Uh, those are both good starting points. Um, the Old Testament can be pretty hard and bog you down if you're um, just a bit newer or haven't read as much as of the Bible. Um, but if you also wanted to include uh, parts of the Old Testament, um, I would start with either Psalms or Proverbs, mm-hmm. which are very um, uh, just kind of hit on both an emotional level and a practical level. Uh, so sometimes it can be helpful if you know if you want to read a little bit a day, like read um, one chapter in John and read one Psalm. That's like a good way to be learning the things of Jesus, then also getting those really good prayers in the Old Testament. So that's what I would suggest. Start with John if you haven't read the Bible. Um, Ephesians is good. And then Psalms and Proverbs in the Old Testament are good starting places. And then beyond those, 
Like, would you just, what do you think of those plants that go through the Bible all the way through? Well, I definitely think, you know, if you were following Jesus at some point in your life, you should read the Bible in its entirety. Um, even if you don't like maybe go in the order of like Genesis all the way through Revelation, you, there's different ways to break that up or kind of attack that. But um, if you're following Jesus, uh, every part of the Bible is the word of God. Mm. And so you should read through all of it. So there's lots of different good plans on how to to walk through it in different ways. Um, and so there, and there's lots of good things in multiple parts in the Bible. So I would suggest that to uh, get outside of it. If you, if you want to something, you know, if you're still on the new side, but maybe you've read through John, I like doing Luke and Acts together because mm-hmm. they're written by the same person. And it's, so it's, Luke is a gospel, so it's Jesus, but then Acts picks up right as Jesus uh, ascends into heaven and then is the kind of early history of the church. And so those kind of work together. And so that gives you a pretty good chunk of uh, also what it means to be a Christian and how the early Christians lived and how God used uh, the apostles early on in the first century. So I like those Mm -hmm. two together. Um, And then I I think the New Testament as a whole is pretty accessible. Um, The epistles, you know, what we call the letters of the apostles have a lot of just good um, instruction, easy to understand. Uh, Romans is probably the most comprehensive, just as far as like theology goes, of, of really a good starting point to go deeper into the doctrines of our faith or what Christianity truly teaches. So Romans is a bit uh, deeper thinking. So if you want something that kind of starts digging below the surface about what it means to be a Christian, Romans is a good place also. Mm. So there's a couple of places for you. Yeah, those are some good ones. Yeah. Um, Okay, next question. Uh, What are good ways to stay focused on God and not get distracted by the world? Mm. I don't think anyone's figured this one out yet. Well, there are good ways. That doesn't mean they're 100% effective (laughs) all the time. Uh, Yeah, so historically, that's why you you get the term spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. uh, because it is keeping you connected to God. Um, And so there are practices or habits that we can form in our life. Um, the things of the world are always going to have some pull and are always going to be a distraction. So you can't mm-hmm. eliminate that there's going to be this pull on your attention. So what you want to do is to build as much as possible into the rhythms and habits of your life things that redirect you back to God. And so that's why, you know, you know, you know a term that's been used a lot is a quiet time. Mm-hmm. It's something Christians has done, have done every day. I'm going to set aside this period of time where I'm going to read my Bible and pray, or I'm going to work through a Bible study. And because that's what it does, it redirects your focus back to God. And so I think any, any, any habit you can form, any spiritual habit you can form is going to help in yeah. this endeavor. Um, so prayer, you know, a lot of times, you know, we pray at meal. That's not a bad thing, but it can, you know, it can kind of become just that thing we do like God, bless the hands, prepare the food, you know, let it nourish my body, yada, yada, yada. Maybe it doesn't really redirect your attention, but any other prayer habits you can form, you know, like pray before you go to sleep, you know, pray. I like to pray in the car because I'm usually by myself. I've got about 10 minutes. I pray out loud because nobody else can hear me. Um, Any of those things are going to redirect your attention back to God, Mm -hmm. but it'll constantly be a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but uh, forming habits is good. And that's also why, you know, I think, it is important to go to church. Yes. You know, that is a weekly thing. Um, 
church attendance has gone way down on what's considered regular attendance. And I think it's a disservice to our own souls because that is, man, a big, huge reminder on, on a, you know, about an hour and a half or so <laughs> every single week that directs our attention back to God in a lot of different ways, both through engaging with people, both through hearing the word taught to us, through singing. There's so many ways that redirects us. Um, and I think that's why the author of Hebrews says to not neglect meeting together. Um, but you also can't rely on just once an hour, once a week. Yeah. So, so daily habits are going to be a big deal. Um, and hopefully, you know, pick one to try to establish and then build off that. So if it's, I'm going to read a Bible verse every day. So not a chapter, not, I'm going to read my Bible for an hour and pray for an hour, pick one habit, start there. And then once you feel pretty strong in that single habit, then try to add a second habit. Yeah. So like maybe it's, I'm going to read my Bible once per week. Maybe that's your starting point. That's fine. Start there. Yeah. Because I do feel like just the way, you know, we work as people, um, you know, it's easy to set lofty goals, but then you get, you feel bad or disappointed if you fail at the goal. So it's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to read my Bible every day. And it's like, well, I missed three, three days. days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, I missed three days. And so, you know, the whole thing falls apart. So Pick, yeah. pick a pick a single thing and focus on that. And remember, none of it is a loss. And so even if, you know, you were going to read your Bible every day and then you forgot for a month, it's not a bad thing <laughs> to start back, start back. So, yeah, um, yeah, just um, but it'll always be a struggle thing. Things of the world will always um, have a pull on our attention. So it's something we have to actively fight against. Yeah, I think something I've done lately, too, is uh, trading secular music for worship music. So not that I didn't listen to worship music in the past, but I love some Taylor Swift. And lately I've been not listening to Taylor Swift, which, you know, if you take away all the music about love and relationships, all that's left is worship music. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a good way to just stay focused on. Yeah, that's good little reminders. Anytime you can include extra truth in your life, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's always... Yeah, it'll always be something that has to be worked on, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this next one is a good one. Um, just for that transitioning life stage, like high end of high school, going into college. Um, how do you know if you're saved? Mm, just well, making your faith your own. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, so I grew up in the church. And so you never had that moment of like, I was this really terrible person and then I met Jesus and now I'm a good person. Yeah. So like my behavior has essentially been the same my whole life. Mm -hmm. So, so I think it's really easy. I think you can come at it from some different angles. Like if you're, if you're that church kid that you don't have this clear marker in your life of before Christ, then after Christ, that can be a question a lot. Uh, but then also, I think other people just struggle with that question at different points, um, definitely in struggles with sin. Mm. Like, okay, I, I I still have this issue, sin, I still desire these things, like, does that mean I'm not saved? Um, so there is um, some, some different questions I think you can ask yourself. And I don't think that's just for high school to college. I think everybody should ask themselves mm. at some point, you know. Are you are you confident in the work God's done in your life? So some traditional things people look for, um, what we would say is like evidences of salvation. Uh, so one of the things is not necessarily the absence of sin, but the conviction of sin. 
So it's like, okay, is there something that stirs within my soul and heart when I know I've gone against God? Yeah. Like that, that is an evidence of the work of the spirit, like pointing those things out to you. Um, another thing, you know, if you, you can just look at scripture, it's the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. So there's things, and not that we, any of us nail it a hundred percent, but you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like those are the things, <laughs> the markers of God's work in your life. And it's not that like, okay, I am perfectly gentle or perfectly faithful, but like, do I know my own heart? Like God's moved the needle in those areas. Yeah. Like, Hey, I used to be this way, but now I can feel that transformation happening in my life. Um, a, a, another thing I always suggest people with, you know, if you kind of have the question, you know, I, I'll just, you know, kind of dig into somebody's personal story. Like, okay, when do you think you might've been saved? Yeah. What were the factors? Um, you know, did you do the traditional, like uh, asking Jesus to save you, say a prayer, like, and then ask the question, like, well, did you mean it? And if you did, if you can come like, yeah, in that moment, I meant it. Like I believed. And it's like, well, why, why would you think you're not saved now? Yeah. Cause sometimes we just have, you know, a dark month or a dark year. And then we kind of question that whole thing. And so I, I think it is helpful. Not everybody has the, a very clear cut moment of conversion. Sometimes yeah. it feels like a process. Yeah. Um, but if I would say if you do, if you had that moment of conversion, that should be a really good anchoring point. Like and if you were genuine, like, yeah, I asked Jesus to save me. Well, don't doubt that he was faithful. Yeah. Um, like, you know, don't doubt in the dark that work God did in the light. And so that's, that's, that's for me, good. you know, I can, I have a pretty defined memory of going into my parents' room and expressing some fear and my dad kind of walking me through like, well, you know, you don't have to be afraid if your life is in Jesus's hands. And that's been an anchoring point for me when I, you know, struggled with sin and doubt in high school. And I, I could re- kind of rely on that moment. And be like, yeah, no, I'm, I meant, you know, I was seven and my understanding was limited, but it was very genuine yeah. know, knowing I needed Jesus to save me. Yeah. So I think there's lots of different questions and because and it is hard to give maybe a cookie cutter answer because no two stories are alike. Yeah. And so you do, it is something you have to evaluate in your heart. Um, you know, I, I, there are times as a pastor when I am ministering to people who maybe they've been in the church the whole time and I have never seen fruit. Mm. And in love, I might want to push them and question them a little bit on, hey, are you actually saved? Is the Spirit of God actually is, is it inside of you? Because, you know, I can't see anything and it's not, I wouldn't say from a place of judgment, but more out of concern, like, okay, Hey, you've been around this a whole long, a really long time. And there's no, there's no growth or outward transformation and God's word describes outward transformation. That's like the fruit of the spirit's important. And it's like, Hey, if you're been in church for 30 years and you're still a huge jerk to everybody, Mm. you know, we're supposed to be known by our love and they're supposed to be this transformative. So at times you might have to question somebody like, Hey, why do you think you're saved? Yeah. Like, because I've been around you for years and I don't see any evidences of the work of God in your life, but yeah, that's, um, those are unfun conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you are questioning it, you can just find someone you trust, like a mentor figure or even a friend figure someone that's alongside you in your walk and y'all can talk about those things and yeah. have someone work through that with you. Yeah. Um, or sit down and yeah, it's not everybody has that close, faithful, you know, Christian person. Like honestly, there are hundreds of faithful churches and pastors that if you picked up a phone 
or walked into one and been like, I want to talk to a pastor who would sit down and, you know, ask you those questions and, yeah. you know, walk you through that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's good. Um, switching gears a little bit. Okay. This is another question. Um, just, is it okay to dislike another Christian? That's what this person asked. Um, Short answer or long answer? Yeah. Um, I think I get what this question is asked. Like, I think there's a little bit, there's a part in parentheses. It's okay. like, they know it's not okay, but what do you do when you just don't click with someone and you don't like them? And yeah. that person is a brother or sister in Christ. Yeah. Um, I'd say a couple of things. Have you ever experienced this? Uh, we could do a show of hands of who knows somebody that's a Christian that they dislike. Oh, guys, Jared's raising his hand. Yeah, so I would say, <laughs> is it okay or does it happen is two different questions. Maybe, okay. Okay, is it okay? Because some people might not. No. <laughs> okay, no. Is it a reality? Yes. Yes, okay, yeah. so how would you work through that? Yeah. Or just what do you do with those feelings of dislike for a brother or sister in Christ? Yeah. Like someone's annoying or like you said in the last question, like someone's just rude. Yeah. 30 years been rude to everyone. Yeah. Which are, you know, are just, you know, personality wise, you know, not even like on a bad character trait, but just mm -hmm. personality wise, we're obviously going to click with some people easier than others. Um, it, it really, I think, goes to a very deep understanding like so god is making a people for himself so he has called us into this family that he is creating and so i think we all know we're sp supposed to love each other um that's not supposed to be begrudging mm. we're literally supposed to grow in our love for our brothers and sisters in christ we're supposed to care for them and i would say it is a reality probably every single person know somebody that legitimately is a follower of Christ that they don't like. I yeah. know, like I, you know, I raised my hand for, <laughs> for the audio. Um, I wouldn't say that's okay. I would say that is an unsanctified part of my heart Yeah. that um, God cares about. I always, I always think of it in terms of like my siblings. So I know it would grieve my parents if I said, you know, I love my brother. He's always going to be my brother. I can't separate that. But, you know, I really don't like him. Mm. Like, I know my parents would press me to figure that out and establish a relationship. Because I think it, it kind of is just co a cop out of like, well, I, I love him because I'm supposed to, but I don't like him. We probably don't actually love him. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think about So Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Um about, you know, if you are at the altar giving your gift to God mm. and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift and go fix it. Mm -hmm. And so once again, none of us are probably going to live that out perfectly. But if, if, if I'm just being asked the question, is it okay to dislike another Christian? I, I would say no. Yeah. Um, I do. And yeah. that's, a, you know, that's just a reality. I'm, I haven't fixed that part of my heart. Um, but we, we should strive to have a deep love for all of 
God's family that yeah. we belong to. And it's hard, but I mean, that's, I mean, you think about it. So John 17 is what they call the high priestly prayer. And Jesus just like prays for his followers unity. And, and that doesn't mean we're always going to click and stuff, but that should be a very deep heartfelt sense of belonging to one another. Um, it's a really great book called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he makes a really good statement. He says, um, and I'm probably going to butcher it. Basically, he says that I have found it impossible to uh, continue to hate a brother that I pray for. Mm. So it's like, you know, if there's somebody within, and it's like within yes. the household of faith, you know, if there's somebody that's like, I should pray for them because, you know, it does that thing in your heart. If you're talking to God, you can't kind of hate on them when you're, and it's like, you know, I, I no longer hate a brother like I pray for. Uh, something along those lines. And so that should be what, that's the goal. Um, and, you know, relationships are tricky, like family. You know, we all probably can um, have experiences of tough family relationships. But definitely my goal is um, to love my brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that I can also enjoy them. Because yeah. that's how it's supposed to be with God. Um, so practically. Is that a, practically, yeah. Like practically, yeah. Um, your advice for working through disliking another yeah. Christian. Cause I do this also, you know, like you said, personalities just don't click or, or and lots of wounds happen in churches. Yeah. Or just like the way this person expresses themselves or communicates is opposite of mine. We just don't get along. Yeah. Um, so practically how can, how would you approach that? You said praying for them, but what yeah. else do you think? Um, yeah. Well, it's always hard because it's, it's going to be like, we can't change other people. We can only control our own behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So one of those good things, like, honestly, if that could be something that like, oh, I really dislike this person at my church. If that would trigger, <laughs> I should pray for them. That would honestly probably do a huge work in your own heart and mm. stuff. If you uh, didn't view them as the problem, but maybe yourself as the problem. Yeah. Um, because more like, so even if you, we dig into those personality things that just don't click and whatever it might be like, oh, they're loud and I find that obnoxious. Well, maybe you should just be more easygoing, you know, wor work oh, on yourself, yes, yeah. like whatever that thing is. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes it is character traits. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you, yeah, you question their character or their motives and that's going to be harder to like someone. Uh, but still, once again, it's, you know, trying to view people the way God views views us and God cares that his kids get along. Um, so definitely, yeah, on just practical praying for people um, and then, yeah, going going the extra mile to try to make it work. You know, um, you know, it says in the New Testament as well, as, as much as it concerns me, strive to be at peace with all people. And so, yeah, maybe you're not going to click, but um, yeah, if you have, I would say an open, like a place of open dislike, you should try to work mm. through that. And that's hard. Like I, I, there's some people that are coming to mind right now yeah. in my own life and heart. And I don't know how to make that better, <laughs> uh, honestly. Yeah. Um, and cause it's, you know, it's not necessarily people like I see all the time either, but you know, some places of hurt in my past from people that like, okay, I know they know Jesus. i don't necessarily like them yeah. <laughs> and so that that is part of my own I think God's sanctifying work in my life like I need to grow in love towards people yeah yeah that's, that's gonna be a good. tough one though yeah um here's another good one um if God's plan is perfect and we can't do anything to mess up his plan why do we have any responsibility in the salvation of others 
Um, and if God's in control, why do we matter and our decisions matter? Mm. Well, so that gets to a, a much bigger question of how does God's sovereignty work out, which is something Christians have um, not debated. Well, debated, yeah. Qu Christians have had questions about the entire Christianity. Uh, I mean, so that's why you have different theological camps as far as like uh, predestination or free will. Yeah. Like it gets into a lot of different things. Um, I would say here's some things that are clear on the like other people's salvation. Um, God uses people to accomplish his will. So it's still God's will, even if I'm being used within it. Yeah. So second Corinthians five is one of my favorite passages where it talks about that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So it says we're no longer supposed to view people according to the flesh, even though we viewed Christ that way. Um, but God is reconciling all things to himself through Jesus. And it says that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then it makes this really profound statement. It says, as if God is making his appeal through us for people to be reconciled to God. And so it matters mm -hmm. because God has invited me into his plan. And so I get... I love how I heard a person put it, the dignity of responsibility that like God values me and us and his people, that that is how he's going to unfold his, he invites us into his plan. Yeah. And so I don't think I have the ability to save anyone. That's I can't right. change yeah. a heart, but God uses me to accomplish his will. It's his chosen means in the world to communicate his message as people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that I think is, is explicit in scripture. Now, people choosing God, God choosing people, those are some deeper questions of sovereignty. <laughs> like, can I mess up God's will? I don't think so, but I can also be disobedient. Um, and so there's some, some more questions in that, but in regards to other people's salvation, uh, I mean, there are some rare instances of miracles and, you know, God appearing in dreams. But I would say, you know, 95% of people coming to faith in Jesus is because somebody was willing to share with them. Yeah. Um, you know, and it even, uh, I can't remember the reference, but it says in the New Testament, you know, for ourselves, like knowing the fear of God, we beg others be reconciled to God. You know, so that's something like if I believe God is as awesome as I say he is, like why would I not want to? share that with others. Yeah. Uh, Romans 10 talks about as well. How are they to hear unless uh, somebody preaches to them? You know, how are they supposed to place their faith in something they've never heard? How are they supposed to hear unless somebody preaches to them? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? So God, God uses people to accomplish his will. Yeah. Yeah. What was the second part of the question? Um, if God's in control, why do we and our decisions matter? I yeah. think that is going beyond just the salvation of others yeah. aspect. Yeah. So that is that sovereignty question. Um, and so, and that's the difficult part uh, of scripture is that we think it's an either or, but really the Bible has both and. So it's like God has chosen us, but we also choose him. God is directing our steps, but we also have some level of agency to make choices within that. And it's hard to know where that line falls because I want it to be either all free will or all predestination, but really the Bible kind of paints a picture of both. So anytime somebody kind of asks me like where I stand, like, yeah, is it, is it free will or is it predestined? I usually say yes. 
<laughs> because, you know, that's what you get in scripture. And so our decisions do matter. Us choosing to obey God does matter. Is his will still going to be carried out in history? Yes. Yeah. How those two things interact, I think it's some of that's a mystery. Um, so I usually go with yes. But that's a question, you know, people have had for centuries. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one that we all should wrestle with. Like, how does this work itself out? I think this is a good place to end it. We have a lot of other really good questions, and I want to be able to answer them thoroughly. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that we're going to split this into two separate episodes. So this was listener questions number one, and we'll release the other ones next week. Thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. If you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit psbible.com. Bye!